Well, good morning. Hey, today, uh, I want to say two things about this Star Wars series that begins October 30th. Uh, Fall Free For All has been uh, one of those Sundays where we bring kids and kids give their lives to Christ. We share the gospel and we see children give their life to Christ. But uh, about a year ago, we started promoting these Harvest Sundays about three times a year, which is the birthday of the church, uh, Fall Free For All, and then extravaganza the Sunday before Easter, where we share the gospel crystal clear. In fact, last time we did that, just in August, uh, we had 116 decisions across all of our campuses for Christ, uh, which is a glory to God. But we're going to do that on Fall Free For All. Sunday as well. So October 30th, we want you to bring all of your children's friends and, and all of your children's teammates and classmates, etc. But we also want you to bring their parents uh, because we're going to share the gospel, we're going to present the gospel in a clear way and give them a chance uh, to give their lives to Jesus Christ. So as I start today, I, I want to quote a quote from one of today's most uh, prolific comedian slash philosophers named Jim Gaffigan. And uh, if you don't follow Jim Gaffigan on Twitter, you should, because he will make your day a little more enjoyable. And here's what he says in this quote. Every night before I get my one hour of sleep, he has a bunch of kids, he said, I have the same thought, well, that's a wrap, of another day of acting like I know what I'm doing. How many of you feel that way and agree uh, with Jim Gaffigan? His quote goes on to say uh, that I call the times that I feel entirely unqualified to be a parent being awake. And how many of you agree with Jim Gaffigan on that one, right? When I was a youth pastor, I just tell you, I, most of the time I felt incredibly equipped uh, to be a youth pastor. I spent thousands and thousands of dollars and, and 10 plus years training uh, to be a youth pastor, and most of the time I felt really equipped. And you would think that that would translate into feeling equipped as a dad uh, of teenagers. And I just want you to know, it doesn't. And most of the time, I feel ill-equipped uh, to be a dad. I didn't spend thousands of dollars, and I spent about 15 minutes trying to get equipped to be a dad. But here's one revelation I had this summer, just this summer. Uh, my oldest is 16 years old, and, and it's, it's just this summer that this revelation hit me because at the beginning of the summer, I took my two boys and two of their buddies uh, on a road trip, and we went to the beach and uh, I preached a camp there, just the boys. And, and we had a great trip, about 12 hours in the car, talking and a whole week together. And, and then another trip, I took the girls, and, and we went to another camp, and they had friends, and girls were in the car the whole time. And, and, and so we had girl conversation. And here's what I learned. It's a brand new revelation for me. When other kids are in the car, and conversations about sex and marriage and boys and girls and lust, all of those kinds of conversations come up. When other kids are in the car, I'm a rock star start that conversation because I kick into youth pastor mode and I know how to have those conversations with other kids. When it's just my kids, I'm nervous, right? And, and like a cat in a bag, nervous, just nervous in, in the process. But when other kids are in the car, I'm fantastic at the conversation. And, and so what I'm trying to say to you, I guess, is I'm good at raising your kids and so I need you to raise my kids. And uh, we'll just kind of make a swap. But as a leader of an organization who is continually uh, looking for employees, right? One of the things, I'm always like an AD, an athletic director. I'm always scouting uh, talent and trying to bring talent into the organization. And the talent I'm trying to recruit is talent that will bring the level of talent up right? We, we want to hire employees and ministers and staff members who will help everybody else on the team do better, who will help everybody else stay more focused, be more intentional, be more productive, be more creative. And the basic idea is this, that, that in the place of employment, employees rise to the level of other employees. But I want you to know with kids, it's the exact opposite. 
They go down. They fall off a cliff in the presence of a kid who's a bad influence in this scenario, right? When your kid is with a group of other kids at your home, they will behave like the worst kid in the bunch. Promise you that that is true. In fact, if you got a group of kids at your house and you own a trampoline, chances are you're going to the ER. Chances are, right? If you got a group of kids at your house and there's a cat present in the home, chances are that cat will be traumatized in one way or another, which we call the sovereignty of God, right? And if you are, if you have a group of kids at your house and you serve chocolate pudding and they're having a conversation, chances are the conversation is going to bathroom and what they do in the bathroom. Why? Because the behavior of kids is often contingent not just on your ability to parent, but the proximity of another horrible, rotten kid that somebody else raised. And so today, I want to give you a break as your pastor and let you know it may not be your fault, right? You may be a good parent. Somebody else has ruined your kid. And and (laughs) with parenting, right, there is this incredible uh, pressure. Don't you feel it as a parent on a regular basis, this incredible anxiety that our kids will end up weird or act weird or embarrass us? And, and, And I'll just say to you after I talk to older adults, that's something that stays with you all throughout your lives which is crazy. You don't outgrow that. And eventually you pass it down to your grandchildren. And and let me just say to you, if you're a grandparent here today and you identify with this, I would just give you a bit of advice. When you're on the phone with your grown daughter and you hear her kids screaming in the background, just cut her some slack. Don't even mention it, right? Because you were there and now she is there. Just cut her some slack and, and, and give them some grace. And we've said this over and over and over in this series. That parenting should not be primarily about behavior modification. Why? Because faith is not about behavior. Faith is about a relationship. Faith is about obeying. Sure, it is about obeying. But that's just one part of it, right? That, That obedience outside of the context of this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, it will lead to nice, polite children that don't love God. And and, and that's not the goal, right? We want children that love the Lord, that are spiritual children, not just religious uh, children. Any of you guys old enough to remember or you watch TV land enough to remember the show Leave It to Beaver? Every campus, just let me see your hands. How many of you remember the show Leave It to Beaver? There was a character on Leave It to Beaver that was the worst character on the show. What was his name? Eddie Haskell, right? Even if you don't know the show, you know the character Eddie Haskell, right? He would walk into the house and say, well, hello, Mrs. Cleaver. It's so wonderful to see you. You've created such a nice abode. And and, and then she would walk out of the room and he would say to Wally and the beaver, hey, we're going to the hardware store. We're breaking in and we're making a pipe bomb. And it was just this duplicious thing, right? That, that there was this, he acted one way in front of the adults and then another way in front of the children. How many of you had a friend like Eddie Haskell? Every campus, just raise your hand. In fact, how many of you were Eddie Haskell? Uh, just raise your hand. So some of you are raising your hand. In fact, what we would say is our parents warned us about you continually. They would tell us you can't hang out with the Eddie Haskell, right? And now that we're parents, uh, we can see the Eddie Haskells buddying up to our kids. And we're like, no, right? That, that you cannot hang out with them. It's the exact opposite, by the way, of what we thought we would do when we were young, when, when we were parents. But now that we're parents and the tables have been turned, we tend to focus on behavior. And parenting should not be primarily about behavior modification, but about putting our children in an environment where they can experience God, 
to teach them how to hear the voice of God and to model for them what it means to rely fully on God. And it's about, at the end of the day, it is about raising children who fall in love with Jesus Christ. And parenting should be about introducing your kids to something they can enjoy, right? Not constantly telling them or harping them about the things they shouldn't enjoy yet. It should be about putting them in an environment where they can learn to enjoy God and the presence of the Lord. And so the blessing that we've been talking about in this series, what it does is it provides an atmosphere and an environment uh, to do just that. Excuse me. Okay. To experience that and to hear from God in such a way that they know God's voice and they enjoy hearing from God. And we've been talking for about a month or so about this blessing, and we've defined it this way, that a blessing is using words and actions to draw out, to pull out a person's identity in Jesus Christ. And we've said that there are five elements involved in every uh, biblical blessing, and we talked about them. In fact, uh, the bookstore told me today that I, I, a few weeks ago I mentioned all of these books to you, and today's the first day, actually, uh, that we have all of them uh, present. This one is by Michelle, Michelle Anthony called Spiritual Parenting. This one is The Daily Spirit uh, Blessings by Sylvia Gunter. And then this one is the one that just came in today by Gary Smalley and John Trent called The Blessing. And this five-part outline comes uh, from this book. And so if you don't have it, I would encourage you uh, to pick it up at one of our bookstores and one of our campuses today. But let's just review where we've been the last four weeks. We said first one, uh, uh, part one, is meaningful touch, right? And we said that's our presence and that's our contact. Part two, anybody remember what part two was? Spoken words, right? So we speak it out loud, that a message uh, about their identity, we speak it with our mouths. Okay to write it, but eventually you have to speak it. Third is incredible value. That's where you attach high, high value to your kid's identity. And then last week we looked at a special future. Well, a special future is where you give them a vision for their future, a vision for what God is going to do in them and through them. And this week I was trolling Facebook and social media, and I found a video of a daddy who gets this. I mean, he clearly gets it. And so I want you to watch this video of this man with his little girl. Look at yourself, look in your eyes. You gotta see it, okay? You gotta feel it. You ready? You ready for school? Yeah. Is it gonna be a good day? A really good day? You gonna be positive? Say, I am strong. I am strong. Say, I am smart. I am smart. Say, I work hard. I work hard. I am beautiful. I am beautiful. I am respectful. I am respectful. Yeah. Say, I'm not better than anyone. I'm not better than anyone. Nobody's better than me. No one's better than me. I am amazing. I am amazing. I am great. I am great. What's your name? Aaliyah Austin. If you fall? I get back up. What are you? I'm blessed. Yes. Say thank you, God. Thank you, God. For making me. For making me. The greatest. The greatest. There's nobody. There's nobody. Better. Better. Than me. Than me. All right, give me five. Give me a kiss. Is that good? 
That dad gets what we're talking about in, in this process. And, and today we're going to talk about number five, which is an active commitment. And let me just say this to you. I wrote a brand new message last week for next Sunday. It's an entirely different message than what I thought I was going to do next Sunday, uh, which was going to be something altogether different. We'll do that another time. Brand new message last week about taking the blessing and being a blessing uh, in the city. You do not want to miss next Sunday as we look at that. But today we're tackling number five called an active commitment. This is the place where you make a plan to move the children forward, the people you're blessing uh, forward. And so when you commit yourself to their progress, you're helping them. When you commit them uh, to, to the Lord, an active commitment begins, by the way, with you. It begins with you being committed to seeing God at work in you. Hear me, that you don't bless other people until you are at a place where you receive the blessing of God and that God is blessing you and he's doing something in you. Paul told us in Philippians chapter two, verse 13, for it is God who is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases God. And, and so you're committed to that. And last week we said that God is the source of all blessings. He's the first thing uh, or one that we should bless our kids with. God is the key that unlocks a future of blessing in all of our lives, right? And so first of all, you have to ask this question on a regular basis. Is God working in me? And if he is, we have to let them see it. We have to be aware of the fact that our children need to see God working in us. And then we ask the question, is God working in them? Quite honestly, you don't have to ask that. The, the follow-up question is, where is God working in them? Because God's always working, right? He's always redeeming. He's always reclaiming. He's always working. And so if God's always working, the question we ask is, where is God at work? And then we teach our children to recognize it to see God at work all around them, to see what it is that God is up to. And, and we need to build environments where God is at work in our children's heart, but they can see it. One of my prayers, I pray every day. Every day I pray, God, give me a chance, give me a moment, give me an opportunity today to bless people, to minister to people, to share a word about Christ, to invite somebody to our church. I hope you pray that way because it's amazing. In fact, I would say to you, if you're a Christian and you don't have a God story in the last seven days, something's wrong. And you ought to be praying on a daily basis, God, give me that moment today where I can share Christ with somebody. I can invite somebody to church. It's a living, active faith in my life. And this week, unlike every other week, every single day, God gave me that opportunity. Every single day this week, whether it's a waitress or, or somebody at a store or a clerk or somebody, that, that he gave me this opportunity to share Christ or to invite people to our church. For those of you who have preschoolers, let me just tell you, the best place, I haven't found a place easier uh, than this since my kids were little, is Chick-fil-A. When you're at Chick-fil-A. It's Christian chicken, by the way. <laughs> they baptize them before they kill them and, and, and before we eat them. But at the Christian chicken place in the playground, I'll never forget. I would sit there all the time because Meredith was involved in, in building the church at that time. So she had drama practice and children's ministry and youth ministry stuff. And so at night, I would take the kids and we would go to Chick-fil-A or Chuck E. Cheese because they trap them. And, and we would go in to the playground, and I'm sitting there usually with moms, which is a little freaky to be the only dad in, in the playground, and, and, uh, but that's, the, that's how I roll. I was the parent, and Meredith was absent. And so I, I was there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, and she's absent today, so I can say that. And so she was sitting. I'm sitting there with other moms, and I'm talking about kids. I'm like, man, they wear us out, don't they? And the mom's like, yeah, they wear us out. I say, hey, have you found a church? Let me just tell you, I found a church that is the best in the city with kids this age. Where? And I tell them, you know, the church at Battle Creek or wherever the campus was, you know, the church at whatever. I didn't tell them I'm the pastor because that's weird. 
But I, they'll find that out soon enough, right? Unless they come in the summer, they'll know that I'm the pastor. And, and, and so as that plays out, we're, we're sitting there. And so I, you invite people and you're telling people, but here's my prayer has been the last several years. It's not just God give me an opportunity to share, but God show me the opportunity. Make sure I don't miss it because there are many nights that I lay my head on my pillow and I think, ah, that was it. I had that chance. I had that opportunity and I missed it all together. I didn't walk through the door that God gave me because I was busy, because I was moving fast, because I was on a path and at a pace and I missed it. And so now I pray, God, give me the opportunity and show me. Well, we pray the same way over our children. God, do a work in them, but show them what you're doing. Show them how you're working around them, how you're using this moment, whether it's good or bad, this tragedy or this uh, wonderful joy. How, what are you doing, God? Not just praying God show up, but show up in my kid's life and let them see it. And this is how we start this active commitment to bless our families. And so when you bless your child, you're equipping them to answer three questions. Let me show you uh, those three questions. First question, who am I? When you put the blessing on your child, you're helping them answer the question, who am I? That's the question of identity who they are in Christ. Question number two is, why am I here? That's the question of security. Why has God put them on this planet? Why did God put them at this time in the history of the world? Why am I here? Question of security. And then the third one is, where am I going? And so you got the question of identity, the question of security, and this is the question of purpose and confidence of where am I going? And we want our children to be able to answer those questions. And the blessing gives them the tools to answer these questions so that they know who they are, why they are here, and where they're going, and that they can accomplish whatever God has for them. And so I want to show you a biblical story of an active commitment, uh, see it play out in the New Testament. Uh, one of the greatest stories of an active commitment that, that I know of in the New Testament is the story of Paul and his uh, son in the faith named what? Timothy, right? Timothy. Now, here's what we don't know about Paul. In fact, we do know, I guess, that Paul has no children because he doesn't mention them at all. There's no mention of Paul ever having children. If he did have children, he was a terrible dad but because he never mentioned them one time. But, so we don't think he had any children, but, but he did have sons in the faith, and one of his favorite sons in the faith was a guy named Timothy. And we see this strong, strong bond between Paul and Timothy. And Timothy, what we know about him is that his daddy was Greek, and his mom and his grandmother were Jewish. And apparently his father did not take an active commitment role in his spiritual life. His grandmother did. We know that in Scripture because she was teaching him to love the law and to respect the Old Testament. But one day we know that Paul went to their hometown in Lystra and they got saved. All of them but the dad got saved. The grandma and the mom and Timothy all got saved. And Paul sees that there's no father in the picture or no active father in the picture. And so he steps into that hole and begins to fill that hole. Paul probably was trained as a youth pastor, right? He was really good at parenting somebody else's kid. And, and, and so he steps in with Timothy. And I want you to take a look at some of the things I pulled out uh, of the two books that Paul wrote to Timothy and phrases that he said uh, to Timothy. In chapter 1, verse 2, he says, you are my true child in the faith. In verse 8, he says, you are my son. In the second letter, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, you are my beloved son. In other words, Paul sees Timothy, he sees the absence of a blessing, and he steps into that absence. Question for all the men who love Jesus in all of our churches today. How many times do you see that playing out around you? 
fact, I would say to you that probably 75% of the mistakes that male employees have made on my staffs over the years, 75% of the mistakes that they make, when you look at it, you realize that mistake was made because of the absence of a father in his life that those mistakes being made were not character issues necessarily, they were not competency issues necessarily, they were not motivation issues necessarily, they were problems that a dad at eight years old should have taught that young man. And, and, and you watch that play out all over the culture. And, and Paul sees this absence and he steps into it. And so if you see it around you, I just want to say to you, we always look at tragic stories and we say, oh, it's just too bad they didn't have a dad. Here's what I want to say to you. If you are a man of Christ, what if you stepped in? In the role of a formal role, a foster family or stepdad, or, or, or you became a father figure in some you know, figurative way to people in your neighborhood or people in your employment or people uh, that you work with or your kids go to school with, what's stopping you is the question I want to ask you today. And those statements from Paul, they reinforce all of them, Timothy's identity. He was half Jew and half Greek. He had questions. He's like a hillbilly from Egypt. I mean, he got questions about his heritage, right? And, and, and so he's looking at his, his heritage and he's thinking, am I a Christian or am I a Jew? Or, or am I a Jewish Christian and what am I? And I got big questions that I need to be answered, like do I need to be circumcised in order to become a believer? That's a big question, right? And, and, and I need somebody to answer that question in my life. And so he needed Paul in his life and Paul answers those kind of questions and he reinforces his identity in Jesus Christ. Look, look at a couple other things that he said uh, to Timothy. Verse uh, 12 of chapter four. Let no one look down on you because you are young. Every boy needs to hear that. Every boy needs to hear from a mentor, a spiritual man in their life. Don't let somebody look down on you because you are young. Let them know what God is doing in your heart. He says over in chapter 4, verse 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift that is within you. Sounds like chastisement and correction, and it is. But what he's leading with is you have a gift. God has put a gift in you. I know that gift is in you. Don't neglect it. In fact, later he says, fan it into flame, that thing that God is doing in you. Then, then Paul moves on to reinforce security and confidence in Timothy, and he says things like, Timothy, because of who you are, here's what you can do. Because of what you mean to God, here's where you can go with your life. But because of what you mean to me and my commitment to you, I want you to know here's what I could see you doing. And, and, and I wrote this phrase out, and I want you just maybe to write it down as you think about the blessing, that Timothy was supercharged in his faith. Why? Because of Paul's active commitment to him. And he made that evident to Timothy over and over and over and over again. An active commitment shows up visible on a regular basis. And the active commitment of blessing was very evident in the story we've been looking at this whole series of Isaac and, and Jacob. We've been using the story in Genesis 27. In fact, turn there if you would. Uh, in Genesis 27, we've been in there this whole series. We've been in and out of that story for several weeks. And today I just want to summarize and take a 30,000 view for a moment and give you the whole picture of what was happening because it's important to see this play out, to see the importance of a blessing. So first of all, let's back up just you know, a few notches into the story back to Abraham. God promised Abraham what? A big, big family right, with a big, big yard where they can play football. You know the song. That God said that to, to Abraham. You will be the father 
of many nations. That was the promise. And how many sons did he have with his wife, Sarah? One, right? Just one. But that son was the son of promise. And and so Isaac, you would expect him in this bloodline to have lots and lots and lots of children, but he doesn't. He has two twins, Jacob and Esau, and they were at odds with one another since birth. In fact, in Hebrew, the name Jacob means heel grabber because he came out of his mother's womb grabbing onto the heel of his brother. And so all of their lives growing up, Jacob and Esau were at each other's throats, which is probably why their parents stopped at two, right? And so they're snipping at each other. They're putting each other down. Every chance they got, it was, Mommy, Esau hit me, or Daddy, you know, doesn't love you, Jacob. And this story just goes on and on and on and on. And you you look in Genesis chapter uh, 25. In chapter 25, you see that Esau went out hunting. And while he's out hunting, Jacob was in the kitchen cooking with his mom. And and Esau comes in from the kitchen, and he says, Ah, I'm so hungry. I think I'm going to die. I'm famished. You ever felt that way? Teenager boys feel that way every day couple of hours. And, and they feel famished. And he says, I'm so hungry. And, and, and he says to his brother, give me a cup of that soup or stew that you were preparing. And, and he looks at his brother and says, give me your birthright in exchange. But you read that and think, wow, that's enough to make you hate your younger brother. And, and so he barters for his birthright. And then two chapters later in Genesis chapter 27, while Esau's out hunting again, Jacob sneaks in, pretends to be Esau, and steals the blessing of Isaac away from his brother. Now look what happens in verse 34. This is the verse I want to read today. When he realizes the blessing has been stolen uh, from him. When Esau heard his father's words that the blessing had been given to his brother, look what the Bible says. He let out a loud and a bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too. He begged. Do you hear the misery and the the, uh, desire in that sentence? And, And the blessing was withheld from Esau. And Esau felt it. You make no mistake about it. You read the story of Esau. He became a wanderer and a nomad. And he was wandering around aimlessly. And he held in anger and bitterness and hurt for years and years and years against his brother Jacob. What happens when a blessing is withheld? What do our children go through when we withhold the blessing? Or maybe a better question today is, what have we gone through because maybe our parents failed to bless us? And some people, what they do when they fail to receive the blessing is they try to earn it. They try to deserve it. They try to deserve the blessing. And you see this in a workaholic, right? Thinking that they could one day do enough to make their dad finally say, I'm proud of you. I want you to hear me today that no matter how hard you work, you can never earn a blessing. Because a blessing is a grace and a blessing is a gift. And to earn it, what people do is they move from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And they're always seeking approval from that person. But they keep looking for love in all the wrong places, right? And it goes on and on and on and on. And what people do is they try to find it elsewhere. And they seek what's known as a replacement blessing. And they go looking for enjoyment or significance or belonging or respect or security. But they're seeking it in all the wrong places. And they may turn to drugs or to alcohol to try to numb or mask the pain they feel uh, over the missed blessing that they never received. 
I read a study recently of a, a minister who ministers regularly to gang members. And, and in his quote, he said, I often will take 10 to 12 gang members and line them up shoulder to shoulder and then go down the line and ask them, did you ever receive a blessing from your dad? Did you ever receive a blessing from your dad? Did you ever receive a blessing from your dad? Did you receive one from your mother? Did you receive one from your And just on and on the line. And he said, it just goes down the line. No, 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 no. And there is incredible power in the blessing. Some people who don't receive the blessings withdraw. And they enter into a world of isolation or loneliness, and, and they figure being alone is better than being vulnerable. Others strike out in anger with the root of bitterness growing in their heart, which is exactly what plays out with Esau. He was bitter and he was hurt, and it took a supernatural work of God Almighty to help him get over that bitterness and that hurt. And we have the choice to keep our kids removed from that. We have the choice to extend the blessing or to withhold uh, the blessing. And when we release the blessing in their lives, we're giving them tools so that they can answer those questions about who am I, where am I, why am I here, and where am I going? And they can accomplish whatever it is that God has for them instead of being chained up to bitterness or resentment and all of those things that, that those who didn't receive the blessings are craving. We, we have that option. And you're giving your kid a leg up in life when you give them the blessing. You're giving them privilege. Listen, how many of you want your children to live a privileged life? I want you to hear me today when I say this. Privilege is not about money. And it's not about inheritance, it's not about houses or cars or lake homes. Real privilege is found in you knowing how to bless them. And it's not just blessing children, by the way. We've been talking about that this whole series, that we can commit to bless our employees, we can commit to bless our, our employer, we can commit to bless uh, staff members at our church or pastor or congregations, right? We, we, other people within the congregation, we can commit to bless our parents now or maybe even in their old age. This active commitment of blessing, watch it. When you release it in your family, it is a cycle that keeps going and going and going and going in the same way that a curse is a cycle that keeps going and going and going and has to be broken. And we looked at what happens to Esau when the blessing was withheld. Now look for a second at Jacob. What happened to Jacob? Because Jacob received the blessing and how did that uh, affect him? Uh, incredible series would be for us to do a series on Jacob, just a series on the character of Jacob in Scripture. Jacob, as you know, encounters God in a big, big, big way. There is a night where all night long he is one-on-one -on -one, uh, with God Almighty, and his life was completely changed. In fact, not only was his life changed, his name was changed. In that moment, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. That's where we get the name Israel, that he then had 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of his sons, Joseph, you know the story. We did a series on Joseph a few years ago. He goes down to Egypt, and he saves the whole family. And in his old age, Jacob, who is now Israel, goes down to Egypt to be reunited with his son. And just like his father before him and his father's father before him, Israel now has the chance to bless his own sons. Genesis 48, flip over. Genesis 48. I gave you this homework assignment a few weeks ago to read Genesis 48. If you're looking for words to put into a blessing to your children, Genesis 48 and the poetry found there, the individuality and the, the uh, uniqueness that he places on each of his 12 kids based on who they are is just a glorious, worshipful uh, read. But let's look at verses 15 and 16. This is where he blesses Jacob, and, and some scholars say Ephraim and, and Manasseh are, are involved in this blessing as well, but let's just read it. Verse 15 
Then he blessed Joseph and he said, may God, or may the God. Now I want you to circle those words uh, in your Bible, may the God, and write the word source out beside it. Last week we said God is the source of all blessing, right? It all comes from him. He's the source of all blessings we have in our lives. And so write this point down, that an act of commitment, number one, starts with a source. That source is God right? It begins with God Almighty. When you start your kids off with a commitment to God, listen, you are launching their lives into the stratosphere. That, that's why we do this thing called a PCD or parent-child dedication a couple times a year. We do it on Mother's Day, and then we do it the Sunday before Thanksgiving, which is coming. Sunday before Thanksgiving is coming just a few weeks from now, and, and, which is crazy, right? Have you seen Christmas decorations in the stores? It's all coming. And, and, and so, November 24th, that's the Sunday before uh, Thanksgiving. That, that is an incredible opportunity where we do a dinner the night before with the parents of infants and the parents of toddlers or the parents of young kids who just come into the church for the very first time, and we help them dedicate themselves to the Lord, and here's what happens. It's an incredible outreach, by the way. This event has become an incredible outreach because there are great parents all around us who don't know the Lord that when we say to them, hey, you want to be a part of a parent-child dedication weekend, they say yes, and they come to the dinner, and they end up giving their lives to Christ, which is the greatest thing that could happen in order to dedicate your child to the Lord is to dedicate yourself to the Lord. And so, in fact, you just take the card out of the seat pocket in front of you. If you have an infant or a toddler or you want to participate, just write PCD in, in the response thing, and our staff will know uh, what that means. But God is the source, and it's not just God is the source. It's also a spiritual family. Look at what he says. May the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day. Do you see the family, the spiritual heritage, the family that is playing out in this blessing? Jacob knew what a blessing was because his father knew what a blessing was and because his father's father knew what a blessing was. Jacob knew God because his father knew God and because his father's father knew God. You gotta create a spiritual family around your children. And, and today in an age where we're so mobile and we move and we travel and we're not always around grandparents or uncles or aunts and et cetera, or, or even they don't know the Lord and we're the unique ones in the family who know the Lord, listen, you've gotta create that spiritual family around your kids. Like, like I told you a moment ago, I'm great with other people's kids. You need that in your kids' lives. You need a youth pastor, a children's pastor, small group leaders who are good with your kids, reinforcing what you teach and what you say. You need a church family in your life, and you need to give it a great amount of priority in your life and in your schedule. Hear me today. I want you to hear me. You are wired by God Almighty, and your kids are wired by God Almighty to need a disciplined, studied, anointed sermon weekly. Weekly. You can't skip it. You're wired by God to need a disciplined, anointed sermon in your life. Your children are wired by God to need that in their lives. Just like I said, I'm good with other people. Listen, you, they also need an active faith family in, in their lives. Let, let me illustrate that for you this way. Let's say that you pick up on the fact that your child is gifted musically, and you think a path that they may take in, in blessing in their life is learning to play the piano. And you say to that child, wow, you are so gifted in that regard. I think piano could be in your future. But you never buy them a piano 
or put them near a piano or get them lessons for the piano, then your words don't match up with your actions. Do you understand? Now, the same thing's true spiritually. If you say to your children, God is important, you say to your children, faith is important, you say to your children, church is important, but you don't have an active commitment to be there weekly, then then your level of commitment doesn't measure up to your words. Do you see? The illustration plays out in every facet. And if you're one of those families, like our culture is one of those families, I mean, just predominantly one of those, you spend thousands and thousands of dollars and thousands and thousands of hours on, on sports or music or uh, some other activity, and you're in church just once in a while, just let me love you and just say to you, you're missing out on a huge part, the most important part of your children's development. You know one of the things Paul told Timothy, his son in the faith? He told him physical training is good for some things, But spiritual training is good for all things. And so I'm not saying don't do sports. It's good for some things. You should do that. I'm into sports. I love it. I'm going today. I'm not doing the guest reception because my kid's playing a 1 o'clock soccer game. And I'm not greeting you when I can go watch him play soccer. I'm for that. I'm for I'm going to mourn the day when when my kids aren't in youth sports. I love that. I'm not one of those that says you're going to hell because your kids are in youth sports. But what I am saying to you is you need to give the right level of commitment to it and the right level of priority because you Share the responsibility with your spouse for spiritual parenting. And by the way, your spiritual parenting does not begin and end with bringing them to church one day a week. TC kids or TC students, that's just one factor in their spiritual life. In fact, it's just one-seventh of the, less than that, quite honestly, because if you drop your kids off at youth or you drop your kids off at church and you never mention God again, You don't talk about God in the car. You don't talk about God at home. You don't talk about God at the dinner table. You don't talk about God in hard times and in bad times. I'm not beating you up. I just want to ask you a logical question today. How do you expect them to grow up with any sort of knowledge of who God is? In addition, equally important to a weekly sermon in your life is the guidance that God wants to give you personally in your personal daily Bible time. And your personal prayer time. He wants to speak to you. He wants an appointment with you. And when we bless our children, here's what we're teaching them. We're teaching them that God is personally concerned with their lives. And hear me, that knowledge will go through every sport, every activity, every class, every part of facet of their lives for the rest of their lives. It is that valuable. And we're showing them that this whole thing called Christianity, it's not about behavior. It's not about politeness. It's not about just being kind. It is about a real God who really knows you and wants to be known by you. And so this act of commitment, it starts with a source. And then secondly, it charts a course. It starts with a source and it charts a course. You like how I made that rhyme? I thought about rapping that for you today, but I was advised against it. It, it. it starts with a source and it charts a course. Now, what does it mean? Take a look at how Jacob continues this blessing with, with his children. Uh, May the God whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked before. Circle that word, walked. And, and in fact, circle the two words, walked before, and who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day. Listen, the idea of walking before right there, I wish I had time just to teach this to you, because it represents your walk with God. There is this imagery in that verse in the Hebrew that, that is a shepherd before its sheep, and the sheep before the shepherd, and the sheep are walking out in front, and the shepherd is behind them driving. We get this image sometimes that we got a 
find the Holy Spirit and then just follow him. But, but it's really less of that, I found in my walk with Christ, that he kind of wants me to go, and he walks behind watching and protecting and blessing. And I said, you want to go that way? Okay, we'll go this way. You want to go that way? We'll go this way. But we're going to chart this thing, and he's going to watch over us. And he is the good, good shepherd. One of the verses I taught my kids in the last several years is just Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm going to do a whole series in the spring on Psalm 23. I'm so excited about it. I'm studying it right now. And that verse is incredible. The Lord is my shepherd. Let me tell you something. you got a shepherd. And if it's not the Lord, it will be something else. And if you don't teach your kids to have the Lord as their shepherd, the world will give them a shepherd. And it's not a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, and he, he watches over me, and I shall not want. When the Lord is my shepherd, I don't walk in want. I don't walk in need. I, I walk with a shepherd who takes care and knows how and has the resources to take care of his sheep. And, and so Paul talks a lot, by the way, in the New Testament in this same imagery of walking in the Spirit. Now look what he says in the blessing. Look what he says next. Go to that next part of the uh, verse, if you would, guys. He likens the Lord to an angel. He says, the angel who has redeemed me, circle that word redeemed, redeemed me, may he bless these boys. In other words, the course you're charting for your family and for your kids, it begins with salvation. When Catherine was in the womb, uh, my oldest child, I started praying this prayer, and I have prayed this prayer over all four children millions of times. Millions of times I've prayed this prayer, and it goes like this. Lord, would you let them come to know you at an early age, to truly know you at an early age. May they love you with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. May they love their parents and their siblings and their family, be united and connected to their family, and may they love the bride of Christ, the local church. I have prayed that prayer over all four of my kids Millions of times. And, and I just am asking in faith for those things. And by the way, let me just say this to you. You need to put a love in your kid's heart for the local church, where they love the bride of Christ. It is what Jesus died for, the local church. And, and they need to love it. And I just tell you, my four kids get a front row seat to the local church. And if I'm not careful, I will let them see things that are freaky, freaky in the local church. And sometimes I let them see it, but I want them to know that we love it. With all of its warts and all of its moles and all of its peculiarities, we love the local church. So Meredith and I have been extremely careful for the last 13 years to not expose our children to something that would create a cynic in our kids towards the local church. And when you do that, when you fillet the pastor or the ministries of the church or whatever at lunch on Sunday in front of your children, let me just hear you say it. Not only are you ignorant and misinformed, you are making a terrible, eternal decision for what you are teaching your children and what you're putting in their heart. The, car, the course you are charting for your family and your kids, it begins with being redeemed. It begins with salvation. Salvation is the number one gift you can bless your child with. And if you never talk about salvation, salvation you never read your Bible in front of them, you, you never bring it up in your home, question, how will they ever know? May the... God, who my father Abraham and his son walked before. He, look what he goes on to say. And I changed translations in this verse, but look at this next verse. May they be called by my name. I could spend two weeks on that phrase. May they be called by my name. 
the personalness of that phrase. May they be called for a dad to say over his children, for a granddad to say over his children. May they be called by my name. The connected, in the Hebrew, that's like a wife taking the, the name of her husband and the existence that was created there. In fact, without it, you, you were shamed in that Hebrew culture. The power of a name, but it's not just the power of the name of the family. That is covenant language. And when God says about you and me, his children, may they be called by my name. He's giving us the name of Christian, little Christ. He's giving us the name of the children of God. He's giving us the name of the co-heirs with Christ Jesus. It's covenant terminology. And what he's doing in this blessing we just read and what God does with us is he is pointing to our future. A future of unity and a future of identity, enabling, don't miss it, enabling the presence and the provision of the Lord in their lives. That's what we do when we bless our kids. We enable the presence and the provision of God upon their lives. And Isaac and Jacob, listen, they were sure of their relationship with God. Isaac and Jacob were sure of their identity and their future. Why? Because Abraham was the beginning of their heritage, and he heard from God. He heard from God. He met with God. And by the way, so did Isaac and Jacob. They met with God, and they talked with God, and they knew the voice of God. And it runs through the bloodline. What's it going to take? Okay, as, as we wrap this part up, what, what, what is this going to take? This week I did a breakfast with 75 pastors from Tulsa on the subject of racial reconciliation in our city. About half of them were black and 5% of them were Hispanic or, or, or something else. One of them was Egyptian and, and uh, the rest were white. And we talked on this subject and we prayed over this subject and we're asking God to intervene on this subject. And, and at the end of the day, I, as I evaluated the whole conversation, here's what I thought, and maybe the Lord spoke it to my heart, and maybe I'm just pragmatic and practical. But, but I thought, what, what is it going to take? And I'm going to tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take it being in the budget. You've got to budget for it. You've got to budget money. You've got to budget staff. You've got to budget time. You've got to budget resources to get anything done that you want to get done. And, and so what is it going to take for you to live out the commitment of, of this blessing? It's going to take a budget of commitment and time and energy and resources. And, and I, just think for a second. Let me illustrate this for you in closing today. Think back to how you prepared for your child's arrival into this world. What a hoopla that was, right? All the showers and, and the registry and, and all of that stuff, right? And you go out and buy all the stuff that, that you didn't get gifted to you and, and that you could never use again, right? Because it's baby stuff from that crib that does not convert to a daybed like they said it would, to that special trash can thing you put diapers in, the dolly or the genie or whatever the heck that thing was called, and to the baby monitors, to the bottle and the heater uh, for the bottles and, and all that stuff, you the changing table, you use all that stuff for 18 months and then you toss it. And about the time you toss it, you find out we're having another one. And then they get to elementary age, right? And that's a whole other level of commitment. 
And now you got them in sports and you got them in activities and you got to buy uniforms and cleats and helmets and all that stuff and go to the games and, and you got to wake up early on Saturday. All of you who have really young kids, let me just ask you to consider that before you sign them up for anything. You got to get up early on Saturday. It's a high cost and a high expense to let that four-year-old play football. I'm just telling you, it ain't worth it. We can play in the yard, you know what I'm saying? They get the box for the football and be entertained. And, and so, or they're in the band or a choir or whatever, and you dish out hundreds of dollars for instruments and lessons and late-night rehearsals and early mornings, and, and all of that takes commitment. And then they get to high school, and the kind of a pace starts to set in, but the amount you pay for everything just goes up and up and up and up and up. And now you got to buy cars and insurance and tags and titles and prom dresses and tuxes and, and all the kind of stuff that goes with it. And, and then they leave to go to college and you think, that's done. Are you kidding me? You get that first bill in the mail. And, and you don't think, I thought I was done. You think, I'm done, right? <laughs> and you remember that moment when they were a little baby and you think back to that letter you got in the mail from Gerber called the College Fund. Remember that? Gerber sent that. The baby food company sent that letter. And, and you think, college, that's so far away. I just need to sleep. And you planned, and you saved, and you committed, and you paid for all that stuff. But, but here's the question I want to leave you with today. Have you planned your child's blessing? Have you planned your child's blessing? Have you made the necessary steps and commitments that it takes? And, and really what I'm asking you is this, what kind of active spiritual commitment do you have to your kids' lives and to their growth? And the kind of planned formal blessing that we've described in this series, listen, it can be life-changing, but I want you to hear me conclude this way today. If you really want your child to thrive, you will not only give it, you will live it. And you will find ways to speak into their lives. And you will find ways to incorporate meaningful touch and spoken words and written words and messages of high, high value and a special future. And you will evidence to them the commitment that you have made to them every day that you spend together. Every, the moments you're together. And this commitment, I'll say it again, I started here. This commitment begins with you. It begins with you being blessed. Let me just say this to you. Until you learn to put yourself in a chair every morning where you were blessed by God Almighty, you're in no position to bless anybody else. And just like that daughter, taught, that daddy taught his daughter to, to say the blessing to herself, I, I want to do the same thing with you right now. I want to teach you to do the very same thing. And some of you, your, your butt just tightened up. <laughs> and you just got real, real uncomfortable and, and, and sphincter issues now. And I'll just say to you, occasionally I attend a meeting where I'm not in charge. And I get nervous and I get uncomfortable just like you too. And I just confess to you, I'd rather be the one making other people uncomfortable than be the one being uncomfortable. And so I'm making you uncomfortable right now because it's my gift. I want you to take out your phone. Take out your phone. And if you don't have a phone, every campus, take out your phone. If you don't have a phone, get out your Rolodex from your purse or whatever you're carrying, your satchel that you got. And, and, and I want you to get it. I want you to turn the camera on. Okay, everybody do this. There's some of you I see, you're not moving. I know you have a phone, get your phone out. Okay, we're all gonna play. Get your phone out. 
Flip the camera and then flip it where you can see yourself in it like a mirror and put it on video. Put it on video. In a moment, we're going to record this. In fact, at every campus, I just want you to stand to your feet. Every campus, just stand to your feet with your phone out in front of you, okay? And let me just say, downtown, I want you to participate. At Midtown, listen, I know you're sophisticated and rich and all that, but we want you to do this, okay? We want every campus, Owasso, South Tulsa, we're all going to do it. Get your phone out. And you're going to repeat after me, okay? While I say this, and here's what I want you to do. Push go on your camera. And I want you to say, my name is... Fill in the blank. My, my name is Alex Amaya. I am strong. And I am smart. I am great. I am amazing. I am blessed. And I will be a blessing. I'm not better than anyone else. And nobody is better than me. If I fall, I get up. Thank you for blessing me, God. Stop it. Let's pray together. Father, in this place today, we give you glory and we give you honor and we thank you for the blessing on our lives that you speak continually and you speak daily. May we receive it and may we share it. May we give it, may we extend it. If you're here today on one of our campuses, you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can I lead you in a prayer right now? with you standing at one of our campuses, it doesn't matter what campus, to trust Christ and to give your life to Jesus. Right where you're standing, would you just pray and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but today I ask you to forgive me for all my sin. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, and my forgiver. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we all say amen and amen. Would you thank the Lord today for truth and for the blessing? Now, here's what I want you to do. Don't, don't go anywhere real quick. Here's what I want you to do. I'm about to take my video that I just recorded, and I'm about to share it on social media. And I want you to do the very same thing, to share it on your social media. And let me just say this. If you're uncomfortable with that, it means you don't know how to receive the blessing. You need to receive the blessing from God. So loosen up your little sphincter and, and go ahead and share the truth of who you are. Give me a link, guys, if you would, okay? We created a landing page that has uh, all five messages from blessings up on it already. So I want you to tag TC Blessings, hashtag TC Blessings, and the church at forward slash blessings. And everyone who is piqued by reading your blessing about yourself can go watch all five of these messages when you share it and you tell the world that you are indeed blessed. Have a blessed week. I love you. We'll see you next Sunday. You are dismissed.